Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Everyone needs a reset, especially coming out of 2020 and stepping into 2021. What if you could begin again in 2021 and do it different so that whatever happens this year, you will be ready. And that can only happen if we have a reset on the inside, a reset of the heart and the mind and the attitude. So that's what this series called Reset is all about how to build such a strong inner world that will grow and be better in 2021, no matter what happens. So today I wanna to talk to you about one more area that you just might need a reset in. If you are someone who goes to church, your church life has been completely disrupted. If you're someone who hasn't made church a part of your life, you might be wondering now more than ever, why would I? What could the church possibly have to offer me. So I want to make the case with you today that we actually need the church now more than ever. That what God can do in your life through the church will be profound if you will reset and prioritize it in your life. Uh, you ever had a bad food experience at a restaurant? I'm usually pretty tolerant with those types of things. I've only ever walked out of one restaurant in my life. It's not in the Charlotte area, so I can talk about it. It was this little Mexican restaurant named The Three Amigos, and even talk about it now makes my stomach queasy. It was really dark, probably to cover up all the dirt, and I remember sitting down and we ordered chicken tacos, and the tacos came, and basically it was cold chicken, like boiled chicken that had been diced and cut up inside a taco shell. There was no sauce, no cheese, or anything else, just diced up chicken in a taco shell. And what was worse than that was the salsa. To this day, I still swear that I was eating spaghetti sauce poured into a bowl. It was awful. It was so bad that we were like laughing and gagging all at the same time. And so we told our waitress that we were sorry, but we just had to go. Now contrast that with a lot of meals that I've had since then where the atmosphere is perfect, the food is incredible, the service is terrific, and people are friendly and helpful. Great experiences make you want to go back, right? What are the trademarks of a good restaurant? Well, all of those things. It's, it's clean, it's got great service, it's got friendly people, it's got hot food, it's got you know salsa instead of spaghetti sauce, and those are the kind of things that make you want to come back. Well, what about the church? What are the trademarks of a good, healthy, alive church? What are the things that make it attractive, that make you want to go back? What are the elements that are supposed to exist in a growing, thriving church? That's what I want us to look at today in one of the most famous passages in all of the New Testament. We're going to dig into this passage from the book of Acts. And the book of Acts tells the story of the early church. And it's going to help us answer this question. What does church have to do with my life? I want to ask you to suspend what you think you know about the church right now. You may feel disconnected from the church or apathetic or even hopeless. You may be thinking, when are we ever going to get back together? Trust me, we will. But we're going to talk today about what it is, what it should be, what it can be. And we're going to find that there are four unmistakable trademarks of a growing, thriving 
church. So Acts chapter two, two says this, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so the first trait of the church that we see is that its members were devoted. And when I was a teenager, I was a huge basketball fan. I grew up in Raleigh, but my heart belonged in Chapel Hill, the home of the North Carolina Tar Heels, which is just a few miles away. And so one afternoon, my mom had taken my brother and me to a doctor's appointment in Chapel Hill. And we decided we would go over to the Dean Smith Center while we were there to see if we could just check it out. It was a pretty new facility at that point, and I had never been inside. So we walk in. And I remember my jaw dropping as we saw nearly 22,000 Carolina blue seats in this massive arena. But that's not what grabbed my attention the most. Because as we looked down onto the floor from way above it, we saw the team. They were in the middle of a basketball practice session right in front of us. And that visit made a big impression on me, not because of the size of the arena, not because of the championship banners hanging on the ceiling, not even because of the star athletes that I watched practice on the court that day. It was because of the way that I saw this group of individuals acting and interacting together on the court. The only way to really say it is that they were devoted in every sense of that word. They were, they were disciplined. They studied plays together and they worked on them over and over and over again. Every player on the team had a role. There were scorers, there were passers, rebounders, there were pick setters, there were defensive stoppers, there were play callers and coaches, and there were water bottle squirters. And one thing became crystal clear to me that day, that no matter what their role, everyone was dependent on everybody else. That team wouldn't have worked unless there was complete commitment from every player. The scorers needed the passers to commit 100% to what they were doing, the rebounders. They needed the defensive stoppers. And the team seemed to really get this. They understood it. They had a common goal. They had a common mission in front of them. And they were working together to accomplish it with full devotion. And to me, that was not like any other team that I had ever been on myself. The teams I played on never functioned with that kind of dependence on each other. We were mostly just like five individuals trying to increase our points per game averages at the expense of each other. But I came away from that day thinking, I would really like to be on a team like that someday. It was inspiring to me to see that kind of effort laid out on the floor, to see that kind of commitment to their cause. I think we would all like that, all of us. We'd all like to be on a team that's pursuing a goal with passion and focus, intensity, and doing that all together. Now, another picture of devotion that a lot of us would point to is the devotion that the firefighters all those years ago went into the World Trade Center with, that they displayed after those buildings got hit. They were going up flight after flight after flight of stairs, what must have known at some point, they must have known that it was gonna lead to certain death. And it's not hard to imagine that as we've seen so many pictures of them throughout the years, these big, suited up men moving quickly up the steps as smoke gets thicker, thicker, and the building gets hotter and hotter, and they were driven by their mission, knowing that people's lives were on the line. They were pressed on, and they were encouraged by that commitment that they saw in each other. And there isn't much a clearer picture of being fully devoted to what you believe in. Can you imagine having that kind of devotion? Knowing that there were people whose lives were on the line, and 
risking all you had to save them. Well, there was a similar type of devotion that the early church showed, and there's a similar devotion that, that we are to have as the church. What are we to be devoted to? Well, it says four things, four activities that are critical to the life of the church. First, it says, be devoted to the apostles' teaching. We're to be committed to live our lives around the truths that we find in the scripture. And then it says, be devoted to fellowship. We're to be devoted to each other. The early church prioritized deepening their level of community and relationship with one another. They prioritized meeting together. They, they didn't miss their crew meeting, even if it was on Zoom. Be devoted to the breaking of bread. We're to be devoted to observing the Lord's Supper. This was in many ways the core event in the life of the early church, remembering that it was the body and blood of Jesus that was the reason for their existence. And they were also devoted to prayer. These were people of prayer. They held prayer up as a, as a value. It wasn't just optional for them. And so um, let's keep going. In verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So the, the second characteristic of the early, early church, not only devotion, is that they were filled with awe. In other words, there was a sense of anticipation about what God was gonna do next. The, the atmosphere of that church was electric. They couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next. And God had shown them that he was on the loose. He was ready to help them at a moment's notice. I remember when I was growing up, my family visited the Grand Canyon. One summer, we had this kind of anticipation. There was this excitement, this energy in the car. My brother and I actually stopped hitting each other for a few minutes in the backseat and started getting ready for what we would see. And we'd seen pictures, we'd seen the Grand Canyon in movies, but, but we had no idea what it would be like in person. There was a sense of anticipation that we had that we were about to see something extraordinary. I'm, I'm sure you can relate to that. Maybe you've been to a similar place where you couldn't wait to see it or Maybe it was seeing a certain movie or, or meeting somebody important. A healthy church has that kind of anticipation all the time. It's, it's palpable, you can almost taste it. They were experiencing God and they were thinking, who knows what God is gonna do next? We ought to approach the church like that, gathering with the expectation that he is going to do something miraculous in this community, in our friends' lives, in my own life. So there's devotion to the cause. There's a sense of anticipation in the air as we wonder, what's God gonna do next? And let me just stop here for a minute and say, in order for those things to be what the church is known for, you know what? That's what you have to be known for. That's what I need to be known for. Well, what else does it say we should be known for? Let's read on. In verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. In, in a word, the church is called to be a community of love, of love. What, what kind of love is it? Well, they supported those who were in need by giving out of their own pockets. They shared meals together. There, there's something powerful about sitting down across the table from each other. The, the Bible encourages us to do that regularly. They worshiped together. Another way of saying it is that they shared their love for God together. 
And in turn, everybody loved them. It says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. They were a church that loved. They loved each other. They loved those in the community. Why, why love? Because they'd seen the model of how to do it. They were, there were those in the early church who had been near Jesus, who was God, but he laid the mantle of his rule down to live among us. They had been near Jesus, whose heart broke for people that he served, so much so that he wept for people who were so far apart from God. Jesus, who befriended the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and even as the church leaders of the day were condemning him for it, he did it out of love. Jesus who allowed himself to be crucified in our place so that we might live with him. You know what drove Jesus to be that kind of person, to do all those things? Love, perfect love, a love that looks past wrongs and failures and into the heart, and that's the kind of love the church is to adopt, that we're to show each other and to everyone around us that love. And then there's one more trademark of the church that we need to talk about. That last verse says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was an irresistible community, a community living out the message that has the power to change lives and set people free. And it was irresistible to those who came into contact with it. The church was doing the things that a church is supposed to do without getting caught up in all of the rest, without arguing among themselves, without letting pride get in the way, without letting differences divide them. And when the church acts like the church, guess what? It's an irresistible place to be. People wanted to see what all the fuss was about. They wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than themselves. And the whole truth was, was truly that the place was greater than the sum of its parts. That's what the church is like. When it's functioning well, it inspires people. It makes us want to live lives of higher devotion, a devotion to the cause. And when we see the amazing power of God at work in the church, we're in awe of it. And we begin to live with a sense of anticipation. What's God going to do next? I wonder what this incredible thing that God is going to, what is he going to do next? Ultimately, so that the church can be a place of love, a love that permeates what we do. There's a story that came out of the uh, 1850s about a man who claimed a track of land on a hillside. He wanted to clear it off with the trees and build a cabin so he could bring his family out with him. But it became very difficult. There was the fear of wild animals at night and during the day there was the heat, there were mosquitoes and pretty soon he got a fever. His hands became bloody from the work and he became very weak, but he continued on. And one day he had reached the point of exhaustion and he collapsed on the ground knowing that it was the end. And he was letting himself drift off into what would surely be his death. But then, in the distance on another hill close to him, he heard a noise. It sounded like a hammer hitting. And then he heard another and then he heard another and he realized there was another like him clearing the land and building a cabin on the other side of the hill. He realized he was not alone. And then in the distance in the other direction, he heard another hammer blow from the other side of the hill. And when he heard this, he rose again and with new courage and new strength, he took his ax and he finished the job. And that's the kind of church we are called to be. That's the kind of person that you and I are to be, where we know our mission and we are committed to it and that we're not alone. We're doing this together. 
that we are this beautiful work of God that is constantly expanding for the sake of Christ. Author and pastor Robert Lewis calls that kind of church a church of irresistible influence, that because of what it is, it can't help but influence the culture for Christ. That is who we are to be. And if you need a reset with the church today, start here. First, reflect on the inspiring, hope-filled place the church can be. And then reset your priorities when it comes to your involvement and investment in the church. And the third thing is this, renew your compassion for your friends and your family who may feel alone and disconnected from God and other people right now and need an invitation into this irresistible thing called the church. Let's pray. God, your church is a gift into this world. It is your mission, it is your plan. Jesus working through the local church. Would you bless Love Lake Norman and all the churches around us? And God, would you help us consider, whether we feel distant from you today or really close, would you help us consider what it looks like to reset our relationship with the church, to reset our involvement with this life-giving community, would you help us, most of all, catch your vision for what you want to do in our world through the church? We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.